About two weeks ago, if you remember, I spoke with you about no weapon, no weapon formed against you can prosper or prevail. Satan doesn't have to necessarily touch you or do anything to you. He just has to get in your mind a lot of times and tell you just a lie or just make up something that he knows right now it will work. It may not work at church or tomorrow at work, but right this minute. And the Bible tells us that he's the father of all lies. And God has not really released me from that. And just even before that message, talking to so many people in the church, but then talking to people that are not associated with the church. And just the news in general lets me know that Satan is doing what the Bible said he would do. He's roaming to and fro. And I'm not even planning on saying all this, but God is prompting me to tell everybody this. Satan is doing what he's always done. And we wonder a lot of time, well, how, does, how did he find me? Or what did I do wrong? Or, or what happened to me? Or... I don't understand it. The, the Bible says, even when he got ready, do y'all remember when he was going to tempt Job and try Job and test him? What did he go before God? And he says, I have went throughout the earth, back and forth. I've been searching and I, I've been looking. And we go all the way to the New Testament, and, and that hasn't changed a bit. He's roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour and and that means if he finds somebody that is game or cooperative with his plan, then that's where he, he puts all of his attention at that moment for that person. And he has imps in hell and demons to help him do this on a large scale. And so with everything that's happening in the world, he knows that time is really something that he doesn't have a whole lot of if he's going to hold back the bride, the body of Christ. And so the Lord has really dealt with me about this because there is no weapon that's formed against you that can prosper or prevail. But there is a writing of Paul to the church at Ephesus that kind of lets us know where we need to be. And out of all the things that I could preach, I think this is one of the most, if not outside of salvation, the most important things that I could tell the church right now and, and, and tell any believer, even if they don't attend this church, and that's found in the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians, and all of you know this. And the Bible tells us that Paul said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And let me just stop for a moment and ask you, does that, describe you as a believer right now you don't have to nod or say anything but being strong in the Lord does that describe you how you are and in the power of his might there's two things I would like more than people to know about me I want hell to know about me that I'm strong in the Lord 
and I live in the power of His might, not my knowledge or my ability or my connections, but every day that I wake up and my feet hit the floor, I'm going to live in the strength of the Lord and the power of His might. And so He says, this is what you do. Put on, that means it's not jumping on me. We did a crusade about this a few years ago. Put on the whole armor of God that you are in order that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And that means that he simply doesn't just plow over you anytime he gets ready to because you are not strong in the Lord and you do not function in the power of his might. And then he tells us why. He, he gives us an explanation, but he goes a step farther to tell us because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. And, you know, we're getting into the Halloween season, and you don't think nothing at all about goosting, goosed, goose, ghosts, goblins, and grandmas. All that rhymes with a G. You don't think nothing about that. Amen. He said, my grandma, Wanda. No, he didn't. But when you start talking about it in the context of Satan and the body of Christ, we kind of want to leave that subject alone. But Paul said, you don't wrestle against people. You don't wrestle against things or wrestle against things. You know how I feel about that word. He said, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age. They are alive and kicking and in operation right now. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly or high places. Therefore, he says, so since your battle is not with flesh or people or and, you know, we are all caught up in movements and organizations and all these other things. We're, we're caught up in it. He says, but that's not where the battle is. He says, so this is what you have to do so that you can stand against Satan when this goes down. He says, so you got to take up the whole armor of God. Not some of it, not what you like, what you're comfortable with. He says, nope, if you're going to stand against the wiles of the devil, you've got to take up or put on the entire armor of the Lord. And folks, if you don't, you're going to leave a portion of your life, your spirit, your walk unprotected. So you got to take up the whole armor of God so that you can withstand Him in the evil day. And having done all you're supposed to do, you will stand. Stand, therefore, He says, having your girded your waist with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness and above all taking the shield of faith with which you may be able to quench, next slide, all the fiery darts and take the shield of faith that I just said is something you take and praying always take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the last part is praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. 
being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, I kind of chopped that up. I got ahead of the slide and got ahead of the reading and all that, so I'm going back through it again. But I'm going to break it down this time, okay? The first thing, when you are told about the truth and the breastplate of righteousness, this is actually your standard. You've got a standard, folks. Every one of you in this place, you have a standard. You have a high standard. You have a kind of a blend in with everybody else. Mediocre, predictable, it's okay. I call it a lukewarm standard. Or you really don't even give a rip, man. You just, you just don't, you barely have a standard. It, it, it's not a big deal to you. And so your standard every day when you get around people that want you to do something that's not godly or scriptural, your standard is supposed to kick in. Your standard is supposed to be defined by you and choices you make. Your standard is never compromised and it's never up for discussion, your standard is. Because if, again, you compromise your standard, you expose yourself to getting shot. See, the key here and the idea in these last days is not to be able to crawl into heaven, folks. It's to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so your standard must be set, it must be determined, and it must never waver. If somebody wants you to lie, your standard will not allow you to entertain that. If your standard wants you to maybe come to church, you can't do that because your standard is way up here. You can't, you can't fudge on that. If you are tempted to not pay your tithe or not pray or not read or not be involved because somebody else is trying to talk you out of it to make them feel comfortable or justified, your standard won't let you do it. And you're not going to allow somebody else to talk you into exposure. See, a lot of people have been, and I'm going to go somewhere for a minute here. A lot of people have been pulled away from churches over the years. I don't even just mean multitudes. I mean on a great scale. Because misery loves company, and so people can talk people out of it. And I want to tell you this. Multitudes is not the only church. And we never have been and never will be. But the power of God is being made manifest in this place right now. And there's one thing that has not entered my mind right now. You better be careful right this minute. At least right this minute. We've made mistakes over the years. But if you're not careful, devil or somebody will try to lead you away from the fire. And the devil will be behind it the whole time. I knew that was going to go over great. But I said it anyway. Be careful, little feet. Little ears, little hand. I'm not saying we do everything. I'm crying over spilt milk that's been spilt for 15 years that I told our growth track people this morning. But you better watch out because Satan, he doesn't care. He doesn't care how religious you feel or how justified you can justify not doing things that pertain to thy kingdom come right now. He'll do anything and it will affect your standard. And when your standard goes, your exposure is wide open. And you may justify it to people that are still on the milk. But you know what hell hears? Oh boy, he's wide open now. 
So let's go ahead and hit him with our best shot. You better watch out. When it's church time, you better show up to church. When it's time to pray, you better show up to pray. When it's time to get up and turn God on before you turn anything else on, you better do that because Satan's just waiting on that breastplate to be missing. He's just waiting on you to lower your standards because you've been a Christian for a long time now. The next thing you've got to do, we're told to have our feet shod with the perspiration of the gospel. And that's actually your walk. You know, we're to walk. Blessed are the peacemakers. See, everybody's in a frenzy today. Everybody's got an attitude today, but not you. Your standard and, and your walk will not allow you to not only not compromise, but you are all about Jesus. You are all about bringing peace. He said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. You know it by now. He said, but be of good cheer. He said, you can be of good cheer. You can have peace that passes understanding because I am your peace and I live inside of you. He says, so when you get up and you walk every day, everywhere you go, let your feet walk in a path of peace with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody thinks Jesus is a big judge and God's sitting up there just waiting for the moment he can cast your soul in hell. And that's the biggest lie because he wouldn't have sent Jesus down here to die for you if he wanted you to die and go to hell. So you've got to do that. You've got to make sure your walk is established every day in the peace. Everywhere you go, work, home, school, play, leisure, be a person of peace and let the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ be the foundation of that peace. The third thing you've got to make sure you do, and you know I love this subject right here, and it's how you put on your shield of faith. You've got to take up the shield of faith. Above everything, you've got to have the shield of faith. And what is that? That's your attitude. It's how you approach everything. Say everything, church. When you just said everything, that meant all things. Nothing is left out when it's everything. Above all is everything. This is most important. Above all, take the shield of faith. And you do that because your shield of faith is your attitude. I know that he's 13 feet tall. But see, we read all about Goliath's shield. But see, it was the shield of faith, and you are familiar with the five smooth stones, but you're wrong. David had an invisible shield of faith. It was his attitude. I have been chosen by God. I have been handpicked. I have been anointed above all my brothers by the prophet of God for the time of God. See, it's your attitude. You don't look at the giant. You don't look at the diagnosis. You don't look at the habit. You don't look at the condition. You don't look at, at your surrounding. You take up the shield of faith because we walk by faith, not by what? Above all. So your attitude, how you approach everything. I'm going to the doctor in the morning about something that, well, it's my shoulder. It won't get better. And I prayed. Somebody said, well, why don't you pray for yourself? I have. But I've just also been told by God right now, that's your thorn. And it ain't going nowhere right now. You always love those answers from the Lord, by the way, don't you? Yes, we, we just wake up to hear God tell us that. 
And I don't know if it's a mission trip or what it is, but I'm going in the morning. And it affects my sleep. I don't get sleep. I mean, it's just so chopped up. And I'm not whining or crying right now, but when I go in the morning, I'm going with an attitude that says, if God be for me, I don't give a rip about my shoulder. If God be for me, it don't matter what the doctor tells me. God be for me. My attitude is one, because I'm living by faith. When I was full of sin, I didn't have an option, folks. I had to, it was a crapshoot. I had to take what I could get. But now Jesus saved me and redeemed me, and I'm living every day by faith, and that's my attitude. And the world can't find that attitude in the church anymore because we've been a mirror image of them that just go to church on Sunday. Your attitude. And when you don't have the right attitude, when you don't have the shield of faith, you are wide open. The next thing you've got to do, you, you've got to have the shield of faith followed up by a right mindset. And you might say, well, isn't that the same thing as my attitude? No, your attitude is how you approach everything. Your mindset is what your mind is set on all the time. This is it's how you think. How you think. I, I, I think that I'm a son and I'm saved. That's how I think. Satan will talk me into something and I will dig in and do it. I do this. I mean, I've struggled with this this week myself. And then I have to remind myself, wait a minute, I'm redeemed. I'm pardoned. I'm a royal priesthood. God is watching me and with me every breath I take all the time. And that's my helmet of salvation. I've been saved. That's my mindset. I'm not in the world participating. He said, you're only in the world to be salt and light. You're just not of the world anymore. So I walk around with this piece of equipment on called the helmet of salvation. You might talk to me about everything negative and everything wrong and how sorry Scotland County is and all that. But my mindset is one going to be, I'm a son and none of that applies to me. I'm a stranger. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a citizen up there. That's my mindset. See, I'm saved now. And I want my speech to give me away. Amen. I want my speech to give me away. The next thing is, Paul said, you've got to make sure you have the sword of the Spirit, and that is actually your food. Out of all the things Jesus could have had and said after being tempted 40 days by Satan, this is what he said. One of the things he said, man shall not live by what? Bread alone. He said, I've got food to eat. Woman at the well situation there. He said, I've got food to eat that you don't even know about. And when you read the Word of God every day, you got to read it every day because you're living. And the devil, he doesn't go look at the leaves in the fall when they change and then get back to you after he comes off a of vacation. I'm sorry, y'all. He's on it every day. He's on it right now while we're in church. And so you can't walk and not have the word, the sword of the Spirit. You've got, 
you've got to walk in the word. It's got to be how you live every day. Jesus said, it is written. It is written. It is said. It is written. It is written. It is written three times. See, Jesus, out of all the things, it was the word. It was the word. It was the word. It was the sword of the spirit. That's why it cuts. It's sharp on both sides. And not only do you have to have the right food, you also have to have the right fuel. Your fuel, he said, is praying. And this is the piece of equipment that is the most difficult. And the church just heard what I said, right? There's so much doctrine. There's so much seminary. There's so much denominationalism. I made it up. If it's never been made up before, I just made it up. And you can spell it if you want to. But there's so much that has not been orchestrated in a college or seminary or in a headquarters somewhere where a bunch of Preachers get together and pray and write doctrine. It's been devised and designed in hell a long time ago. You can do all these other things. You can have on all this other equipment that I just told you about. But it's like a brand new car. I don't care what it can do. I don't care about all the bells and whistles. But if you don't have fuel in that bad boy, it ain't going nowhere. That's the way your Christian life is. And Satan has set this up for centuries. And he's taught churches. He's taught men that's influential in realms. And he's taught denomination into adopting this kind of mentality. And they will word it. People would have so much problem with what I'm preaching right now. But it's because their heart is blind. Their eyes are just waxed over and they can't see. They can do everything but have the power of God working in their life. And that's because they're driving a car that don't have fuel. And that's why people get beat up every day. Well, they've been saved for 30 years, yeah. But they don't have any power to be able to stand against the wilds. They can quote scripture. They know more than most preachers do. But they get their tail kicked every time the devil comes up against them I said they get their tail kicked because they don't have the power of the Holy Ghost working in their life to help them get that bad boy moving forward because sometimes your flesh is weak sometimes your spirit's low and you've got all those other things but you just need the power of God the people were slammed full with teachings and the ways of Jesus when they gathered in the upper room but they were missing one thing to be able to go out here and instead of denying Jesus around around a campfire, be able to go preach and watch 3,000. And that was the power. You have got to have the power of God working in your life if you're going to see victory and you're going to be able to make the devil scared that you woke up today. You're going to have to do it. And that's why I started this message today telling you the whole armor. The whole, not the half armor, or 90%. You know how Jesus feels about 90%, don't you? You've got to have the whole armor on. So everybody that's been afraid to go there, I just want to get to heaven. I don't want to get in all that weird stuff. You mean you don't want to get in all that victorious walking and living stuff? 
I don't understand it. And nobody understands God. We just know we walk by faith and his word is our roadmap. And it wouldn't be right for some people to see it and experience it in some places right now and it not be right for everybody. So somebody's wrong. Somebody's faking with the dead being raised. Somebody's faking being able to interpret another tongue that's from another country, don't even know. Somebody's faking or somebody's wrong. That's kind of extra right there, by the way. Before we move on, I've got to tell you something that has to take place. So what happens when I get all this? I'm hungry. I, 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 I want to make sure I got my fuel. Because that's what, Opie, you know, I don't want to announce this on Facebook, but I'm missing the fuel in my life. Well, Satan is going to keep coming, folks. It's going to get tougher and tougher and tougher that if the Lord didn't shorten the days, even the very elect will be deceived. It's going to get tougher. You came this morning to hear that. I know you did. It's going to get tougher. But if you put it on, the devil knows that you're going to leave this earth pushing back. And that's what's got to happen in this place today. All over this room and on that camera, those cameras, there are people watching right now that Satan just keeps on keeping on. He's having a heyday. You don't have to tell me. I just know. You, he's having a heyday. And what he's not expecting you to do when you leave this church service is to push back. When you put the armor of God on, you're pushing back. When you came to prayer last Sunday night, you were pushing back. When you got one of those gray what's next books and started reading it, you pushed back. When you said, I'm going to start reading my Bible on the Bible app, you're pushing back. When you paid your tithe and you've been talked out of it by hell to not pay, you started pushing back. When you started praying over your house and your children's bedroom before they go to school, you're pushing back. When somebody did you wrong but you decided to be Jesus and do right, you push back. But you cannot do that if you don't have the whole armor of God on because your flesh won't let you. Your flesh won't allow you to push back. Your flesh will allow you to put them up. Everybody in here pretty much probably knows that we had uh, one of many, but a good ball player here, Zamir White, got hurt his last year at Scotland and was, could have went anywhere. He wound up going to Georgia, played for the Bulldogs, and had an injury last year and put him out, red-shirted him. He's got a whole story that I'm, I can't even tell you right now. But over the course of his surgery and his healing, one of the things that I just found out about, about Zamir, was that during his recovery time, an injury that, that cripples and ends the career of many ball players, he actually got stronger than he was before his injury. So strong that if you've been familiar with football or played it, you know those sleds that you have to push. It, it looks like it, the linemen usually have to do it, but then they make single ones and they even make double. Well, he's, he's a running back. And someone that plays his position, unlike a 300-pound lineman, is not supposed to be able to push one of those sleds 
as far as other people in other positions. But because of his, his workout and his routine and his discipline and his desire to get out there and do what he knows that he can do, they say that he can push one of those things pretty much all the way down the field and other people can't do that. The reason I bring that up is because I go to another point. And that is that Satan, he just thinks you're going to take this in, you're going to soak it up, and you're going to go on out there. And you're not, gonna, you're not even going to, you're not going to push back. You're not going to read, you're not going to come to prayer. And as a matter of fact, God laid something on my heart, and I told you I hadn't been getting sleep, and I hadn't announced this, I hadn't said it at home, but God told me to do it, Swells is doing it. He said, I want you to come back and I want you to pray tonight at 6 o'clock like you did last Sunday. Nobody comes. Don't worry about it. I want you to come. Because I'm coming back. I want you to come. I'm tired. I was looking forward to going home and, and killing it after I ate. I really was. And I still might squeeze something in there. But I'm going to do it. I don't have anything but gain. The gain. I don't have anything to lose. So I'm telling you that Wherever you are, if you want to come get in that circle that was up here last week and it was on, you just come get you some. Or just, just keep playing with it and hoping and giving prayer requests that it's going to get better magically. Folks, you got to push back. You got to tell your flesh, I know it's Sunday and you like a nap and you like to go strolls and all that. But we got some serious things going on in our world and in our life. And the Son of God is about to send for His children. And we've got to do things different. We've got to tell our flesh it's time for us to assemble together again. And we're going to approach God's throne. And when you say, I'm going to push back. Start pushing back. And he thinks that, you know, everything's going to take you out. Everything's going to take you down. And you're not going to push back. But I'm telling you in the name of Jesus and the authority of the voice of God and His Word, you will not sow anything that you will not reap by the hand of God. And I'm not trying to talk people into prayer because I've been doing this a long time and I know by now you can tell me you are saved, you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you can tell me all you want to do, but your actions speak and not your mouth. It's time to grow up, folks. Amen? Somebody ain't going to make it that's in this room right now unless things change. I wish I hadn't come. I, I wish, you know, I played something Wednesday night and it was. But God is trying to tell people whoever will say it and whoever will listen and whoever will apply it, it's real. It's about to happen. And, and you can just get with it or you can just cry and figure out where you went wrong for seven years. That messes with a lot of people's theology and doctrine. But folks, this is not like, this is not Optimus T-Ball. We're just trying to let all the little children play to build their self-esteem. This is war. And it's time to push back. I don't care. I don't care about anything. I don't even care about my flesh. I don't care. In fact, maybe I can go to sleep early before my shoulder wakes me up and says, Okay, I'm back. Let's spend the rest of the night together. Doesn't matter to me anymore. What I want to do, I want to see what God wants to do in this place and I want to see what God does in your life so we all can do it out here in this county. You hear me? 
That's what I want to see. And I'm going to push back until Satan gets the message and he goes somewhere else for a little while while we shake the bushes and watch people come to Jesus. Out of all the people in the Bible, you know, we talk about this guy all of the time, but I imagine that the prodigal son, he could have he said this. He could have said, you know what? I've, I've made a mistake, and I'm just going to live with it. I got my inheritance from daddy, and I'm just going to go ahead and spend it. And he did that. You know, he, he did just, just that. I've messed up, and now I don't have any money. I'm meeting with the hogs, and I guess this is just the way I'm going to die. And the Holy Ghost wants me to tell people that will receive it. You feel like that it's so bad, and I know I might be talking to somebody on the camera right now. It's so bad, I'm labeled. People already know me in the community as this. Paul felt the same way. And this is just the way I'm going to have to live. I've burnt too many bridges now. I'm telling you, there's not a person here or out there or anywhere that Jesus, wherever you've been, Jesus has been there. Well, preacher, now I thought you had to be saved. Well, let's go to Revelation 3.20. There's no way Jesus can be knocking at the door and be distant from you at the same time. Explain it to me. Come on, tell me. There's no way he can say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and you in the world is on the other side of the door. There's no way he can be there knocking and not be in your life waiting on you to open the door. He's either there knocking or he's not there, and that's a, a, that's a misprint in the Bible. So wherever you've been, prodigal or whatever, Jesus has been there the whole time. He's just waiting on you to open the door. And I'm so glad that that story don't end like it does, that he came to his senses, the boy did, the son did, and you know what he did? It doesn't read it like this, but I'm going to tell you what it means. It says, he came to his senses. He says, my father's got hired servants. At least maybe he'll let me come be a hired servant. And I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, he's not wanting you because he's got hired servant plans for you. He wants you because he sees you as a son and as a daughter that was fearfully and wonderfully made. And he wants to finish what he started. And what you've got to do is what that prodigal son did. You've got to shake your head in the hog pen and say, today I'm going to push back and I'm going to push against what the devil's doing. And I'm going to push against what the devil's doing. And I'm going to my father's house. 